This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye of the sky, this is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go. Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast, where the Seattle Seahawks have moved to first place in the NFC West. They are 5-2. and two. They've defeated the Cleveland Browns in week 8 of the NFL season, 24-20, to 20, and they looked bloody great doing it. Shiny throwback uniforms, sparkling silver in the Seattle sun. It was 58-ish degrees, Griff. What, what, does, that, uh, what does that mean? 58 degrees in October, clear skies is a very nice day. That, yeah, pe- uh, my, my girlfriend remarked, she was like, hang on a second, they're, they're not wearing coats, they're, they're in jumpers, yeah. sweaters. Yeah. What, what I don't is know that what a, that means, though. What is 58 in Celsius? You guys like 58 degree weather. 14.4 Celsius. Yeah, that's kind of hot, especially if the sun's out. Yeah, especially like during windy. sunlight. Yeah. Um, but other than the weather, Griff... <sighs> What, what wonderful weather you've been having. Uh, other than that, right? Uh, overall, what are your impressions of, of this game? You, where do you want to take this? I mean, ultimately, I think we need to just take stock of the fact that they played a 4-2 and two team coming to the game. They played the best defense of the league. They played an offense that is a really good offensive play caller, play calling head coach, and they squeaked out a victory. And they, like you said, they're at the top of the NFC West. Like That needs to be the ultimate take home. Um, it was how you got there though, was very frustrating, strong starts on both sides of the ball with the, you know, in between everything that happened after that was just so frustrating. Um, and then both sides of the ball finished strong too. So it was, it was a roller coaster, um, with, with, with one, with one apex, uh, but they landed safely on the other end of it. (laughs) and they won and like that's ultimately how i view it um i think 
again, kind of like from a ultimate lens, I they probably did. They probably played okay against an elite defense, at least in the sense that this is the best ranked defense, and you performed well above their defense's average. It was, I mean, for their efficiency this week, this week was literally dead average. They're like fifteenth um, run and pass for the most. Well, mostly pass, not run so much. But as we know, there were two interceptions another dropped interception. There were some missed balls to DK that were easily executable, like structured to be, or plays to be had within the structure. Um, so that's really frustrating, especially juxtaposed with how good they were in the first three drives. Um, and they did well in the red zone. Uh, I think, how many red zone trips do they have? Four. And they scored in all four of them, one of them a field goal. Um, their down started off hot, then they ended terrible. Um so yeah, it was just a lot of Jekyll and Hyde ultimately. Yeah, offense. that's correct. That's correct on the uh the red zone trips, four for four, which obviously had been a problem. But I think for me the the frustrating thing offensively was it really did feel like similar ish oh no, they were three for five in the red zone, so sixty percent. Um, there is there is a kneel down though. Yeah, okay. So three for and then I guess that's yeah, four for four. Never mind, I'll shut up. Um on that subject but yeah the frustrating thing for me was offensively there it felt like similar issues to the season and maybe that's what you get when your offensive line is so banged up but to me when Geno Smith's only sacked three times uh, or sacked one time sorry and and um that can't be right I swear he was sacked three times hmm anyway this is one time let me just double check yeah, it says Cleveland had three sacks. I guess one gets it. I guess that's wrong. Yeah, so Gina Smith sacked three times, but you know one of them was the it was a third and long. Um, yeah, you'd have to look at the other two, but it it felt like the offensive line was fine. Now that being said, he was noticeably even in that uh, first quarter where the offense started out on fire, he was getting rid of the ball very very fast, um, and and he looked visibly kind of sped up. And so I think the, the quarterback was doing a great job of working uh, within those uh, conditions, really. He also but, escaped some sacks, too. Yes. In the yeah, red zone. And, and the ball kept coming out quick uh, as the game progressed. It just ended up not going uh, the way that you'd like. But I just don't understand why he's dropping back 37 times and Seattle only has 17 attempts of rushing the football, one of those being a... Or two of those being wide receiver handoffs, and two of those being Geno Smith um, scrambles, not even carries. So yeah. realistically, thirteen uh, carries, uh, and on those, you know, Walker was averaging eight point three yards per carry, Charbonnet ten point six yards per carry. Okay, actually, if you if you change those numbers a bit, Walker had a long of forty five, Charbonnet had a long of twenty one. They weren't very efficient running the ball either. And Pete, in his uh, post game press conference, Pete Carroll, he mentioned how. You know, they, they probably would run the ball a bit more if, if they felt that they had it. But it's kind of a, you know, committing to the run is a, is a very uh, thorny topic. I just think um, that some, yeah. it may suit them to do that a bit more rather than have periods where, I mean, there's not many games where they're going to be able to overcome the offense being like this, especially against such a good opponent. And it didn't feel, okay, that front did some really good stuff, but... 
you know, it, it it felt like they put themselves in bad spots. And a, a period which sticks out to me in particular was um, when they when they got into field goal range, and then there was the penalty for the you know, ten yard penalty for I can't remember what it was. Something stupid. Hands to the face. Hands to the face. Gino mm. then misses DK Metcalf on a low slant, which was painful. Um, and we'll talk about Gino Smith a bit more specifically. Um, and then the, on third and 10 or, or third and whatever it was, uh, they were at the 40-ish or outside of field goal range. Even then, I almost, it was, they were down by a field goal. I almost would have just ran, run the football, tried to get about five yards and kick the field goal. Okay, that's simple enough, isn't it? It's just assuming Jacob, uh, Jason Myers makes the field goal, but the alternative yeah. was dropping back to Gino against that pass rush. The and third and forever, you, the ball isn't going to be able to come out fast if you called a downfield concept, which it looked like it did. Okay, they may have used some chip protection on that play, but that down he goes. You outside of field goal range, it looks like you basically lost the game, and again you put it on the defense to to perform. And you know, massive positive is that after. You know, a touchdown and a touchdown in the first and second quarter. The defense held the Browns to no touchdowns, six points, and a scoreless fourth quarter. I felt the defense, they had a lot of stuff thrown at them, and that Cleveland offense uh, did some challenging things, and we'll, we'll talk about that more too. But the drift for me, the offense, and, you know, we need to watch the tape, and I'm sure that will absolve Gino in certain ways uh, too. Like, um, but the it's just it, the 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 lows the stalling the yeah. the siloed nature where it looks just disjointed because they're doing one thing suddenly and that they're they're poor at it um and maybe the the lack of kind of balance to the offense d- during those periods like i don't see how that happens but it seems to keep happening so the so i think your point on the the siloed offense it's it's the the concept is not inherently bad but it's not inherently good either it's what it is really is it's it's formational and personal diversity right which is sounds great because it's multiplicity it's diversity we we associate positive things with those words uh, but the issue is the one drawback to it is is that the plays from one formation and personal combination bucket doesn't set up the plays in the next one so the it's the plays within each bucket therein sets up later plays in that bucket right so that's great because it, it uh, forces the defense to account for a lot of different formations when they themselves are only in perhaps one or two different packages um so you you, you get matchups but then the issue is as you move from one formation and personnel combination bucket to the next those plays don't seem together. They don't stitch together as as easily. So when it doesn't work, if one of those play f- plays fail and then you're like in a second and eight out of 12 personnel and you only do certain things out of that, say that, that grouping or whatever, then it starts to feel weird and disjointed. But if you can stay in second and five, then you can kind of play with your food a little bit, for example. Um, I think that's in part why we actually saw so much passing because they wanted first down quick game to try to just get those four to eight yarders consistently. And I think there was some rhythm there, but it starts to fall apart. Like when Gino starts missing on slants, like, ah, like why are you, I mean, you've been hitting that all year. Like you're literally the most efficient first down quarterback in the league. Why all of a sudden are you throwing low balls to DK? And it, there is something to be said how that happened. One, he's throwing slants against cover three. 
and slants typically aren't a cover three beater because this the space is a lot tighter you want you want that against cover one um i wonder if that was in his head a little bit also i think his play dipped after the dk interception which i don't think was on him at all um uh i i think that that just got in his head and he does tend to respond he gets elevated after certain things happen and we've seen that um, yeah, it feels like it's a kind of spiral doesn't it um and, and I, sometimes I think, he works think, his way out of it, but sometimes right. he doesn't. And I do think, is... you know, his previous reputation doesn't help. And, and also, I think stylistically, it, rightly or wrongly, just watching him, um, the, the way he plays, even on that amazing touchdown to Tyler Lockett where he jumps, he moves up in the pocket, spins and jumps over a, a guy to break out the pocket... If he got sacked there, it would have looked absolutely ridiculous because he's a tall quarterback who he's you know he's trying he's surviving out there, and that was amazing poise to to find Tyler Lockett open. But just when it goes wrong, um, and then coupled with the fact that there is definitely a thing of what is that was a bad play, and then it kind of snowballs into another bad play. Yeah, I think that's like it's just doubly like what. Um, and just the body language after mistakes where you can see, yeah, he's pissed with himself. Like some guys wouldn't necessarily show that, but he, he will show that. And it, it sometimes looks a bit downbeat. Um, so yeah, the, the interception griff, that's kind of, for me, uh, an example of both those things. The the, the Waldron aspect to the offense and the, the, the Gino thing. So it's third and six. And I knew from that formation and the kind of bunch look and the way that they'd hit a previous third and six, like probably... The one third and six conversion they have passing on the season, or one of the few, because uh, specific down and distance. I don't know how many third and sixes they've actually faced, and they haven't been that great on third down, so it's probably not many. Uh, I knew from that look that it was going over the middle. Like you, you knew from what the Browns were showing, they were going to target over the middle. The um, one to fit. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the pick yeah. and the the Gino throws that because. Even with the lineman dropping out, he thinks his arm can beat it, or if his arm doesn't beat it, it'll be tipped, but the lineman won't make an impressive, amazing, remarkable play of intercepting it. So decision-wise, you can be like not okay with the risk, but you can understand it. Like There is a degree of caution. Like As we saw from yeah. uh, PJ Walker on the opposite side of the ball, that blitz-beating throw he attempted, which hit, hit Jamal Adams in the helmet, and then he'd have been okay with the risk. <laughs> But sometimes right. uh, the ball bounces the other way. Um, but it's for me, it's... it's uh, yeah, Gino didn't necessarily... Um, I, I was kind of okay with the risk, but then from that point, it kind of compounded itself. Um, uh, but to me also, that felt a very predictable uh, call. And the, it just, the offense just lacks... Um, it, it seems to lack that extra thing. But this is all kind of anecdotal stuff where we're reacting to the game and really they are trying different things. Like it's, it's not that simple, well, but yeah, we're just being, um, well, I'm just being a dumb uh, reactor. Well, I mean, I, I think the fan interception was his one bad throw of the game that led to a turnover, a turnover worthy throw. Like of the three, there are three, right? The one to DK, the one to Fant, the one to Jackson. I think I only have the Fant one down personally as one that was like a bad play. Like you, you, you either need to 
read that he's in the window and he probably shouldn't make that throw or maybe try to put some air on it, some touch on it. Um, also, it's arches, right? It's F post, quick seam, whatever, all the same thing. Fant is second in the progression there. So he sees he sees that there's no underneath defender. He sees the, the defensive tackles drop out, and he speeds up his progression. He doesn't even look at Bobo, who's the first read in the play. He goes straight to Fant. So there's a rhythm, there's there's an intention there, yeah. Um, but he, I I just don't think he thought that 300 pound Maurice Hurst would get out there that much. But still, it's a bad play. If we're just isolating D, D, uh, Gino, the the throw to DK, I don't have an issue with for a couple of reasons. One because he thought he had a free play. I think that was clear. I didn't think that at the time, but in hindsight, after what Pete said. After what was, Pete was doing on the sideline, it seemed clear Miles Garrett was. The guy was in the neutral zone. Yeah. They just didn't uh, flag it. But also, I mean, but, they should have had three so, points there, which would have made it um, a bit closer. But in terms of the, like, that's their one-on-one -on -one guy. He, you have to throw that early. You don't know that the corner is going to undercut that really well. But, it's not so, great to do it back to back in short succession. But yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Sure, but I was just saying, like, it's it's a it's like a one read thing, and it's a rhythm throw. And he he got the ball out as early as you can, and he didn't yep. put it behind him. I think it was a combination of maybe the the play call a little over aggression mindset because he thought he had a free play, and then lastly, like we should acknowledge that that's an incredible play from Emerson in the corner like to jump that the other thing I wondered was DK ran like an out was he supposed to run a comeback because or even the in placement of it yeah yeah but, but either way it's it's not like I don't I mean he would have led DK had the the corner not made the play so and they've hit comebacks often and I haven't seen them really run an out route with that kind of spacing before to, I mean, they like the out routes um, uh, from an isolated receiver. It's just you're typically running that from a more narrow split where the guy mm -hmm. stems differently. It just it seemed like a badly run comeback. But I don't isolate that play as some like weird Geno thing. I just no. circumstantial. The one to Jackson, he ran the wrong route, like Pete said, said as much. I think he thought he had a sight correction. I think he thought he read palms and he had to sit down. But it was, an, it was a go-out concept. Like, yeah, the receiver runs in And I think he has the first down with how he plays that football. Watching live, it was terrifying because it was like, oh, my God, what is G has Gino just completely lost the plot here uh, throwing right. that ball? And then you see, oh, that makes a lot more sense. Like, he, he hasn't completely. It's just, uh, yeah, I think, I think JSN had the first down. It looked like it was breaking away from defender. Was it, was it man coverage or was it... Um, that's what I see. I think I it was. A, I think it might have been cover three. I just think the curl flat jumped it, and I think Jackson saw him get out so in front of it. Maybe yeah. he thought it was like palms out of his periphery. I don't know. But but I, either way, um, I mean, like I'm still. I'm not. I'm not saying Gino was actually good this game. Um, I'm just saying I don't think the, the the two of the three interceptable passes were really on him. I think the one interception to Fant, and then the 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 accuracy just dipping later because it's not like his processing was bad no. either uh he just threw bad balls to dk like dk was open on those ones um like i criticized dk on the one route i'm crediting dk here also i think dk generally had a good game like he mm -hmm. the, the one over the shoulder catch he had 
on the second drive or whatever was incredible ball tracking a good ball from gino and incredible ball tracking over the shoulder from dk um so just just uh circumstantial stuff on the on the whole silo thing i did think it was interesting that the opening drive was all 11 personnel like i thought the game plan was like i thought the reason why we had seen so much 12 and 13 was that in previous weeks was that Waldron was trying to force Cleveland into base and or get them into short yardage situations and then get their explosives via play action and short or medium yardage because I didn't think he'd be able to get explosive in first and 10 drop back mm-hmm. or second and long drop back or, th- or mm-hmm. third downs. And they kind of the opposite happened. So the fact that this offense had any life at 11 personnel in normal down and distances against that defense again, kind of speaks to their general capabilities as a unit. But then, yeah, they started to stall. So I want to see how much was... It's like, how it's much, like today, yeah. the, the opening script was was pretty fire and they had the, that 11 personnel stuff dialed in. But then they sort of, when they, they tried to find something else that would work for them and they went through the whole Rolodex of, you know, 12 personnel, 13 personnel, uh you know, uh, the under center boot stuff where they might hit a big run out of that, but the, the play action shots were bottled up. Uh, then we're going to go back to, uh, kind of gadgety, uh, quick game throws out of those looks. And it's like, we ultimately we're just not moving the football and we're putting yeah. it in harm's way. Um, it's yeah. really, really, I, and every, you know, it's not the first occasion, a lot of, even 2022, like the bad parts of the offense, it kind of felt a bit like this. So Yeah. And the the other thing, though, is like you're playing the Browns. You're going to have some drives that just yeah, do nothing. For, yeah. for You're going to have some drives that do absolutely nothing for whatever reason. You're playing the Browns right now. Like that's, that's part of it. I do wonder, though, when we go back and rewatch this game, if we feel like in terms of what the offense could have done, if we just can close our eyes and imagine a couple more completed passes to DK and one less interception, how do we feel about the general day of the offense in terms of process, in terms of like what was there, what was achievable, um, and and how our view changes? Um, basically, I feel like we just have to kind of wait and see. Yeah, uh, but and, and like that- they, they score points in the red zone. That's that's great, you know. Like that was something that happened today, mm. and they 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 have a screen game now. Like they're figuring it out with Jackson. It, so there are some things to, um, yeah. Even if they finish the the half with that field goal, um, and then, yeah, I think it things look slightly different, don't they? Or they feel slightly different. And and you could also say, uh, the fact that all those points arrived at the start. If it was a bit more spread out and kind of match Cleveland's rate of scoring, you know, first, second, third, fourth, I think you feel a bit different as well. But it's just the fact they started so hot and then just meh. Yeah. Um, now, on the fact that they started so hot, quite a bit of that was Gino making things happen while the play was kind of breaking down, semi-breaking True. down, like... He had that one on the move and hitting Lockett in the flat and then the touchdown to Lockett. Um, I don't know. but I, I'm... No, you're right. Like The red zone was kind of randomness, right? Yeah. Um... So, and I also saw Gino, like, uh, pe- 
I, I shouldn't pay too much attention to Twitter, but people were criticizing him for missing the wheel route on second and ten to or second down. Might have been second and six to it would have been yeah second and six to Kenneth Walker out the backfield when he had a rusher screaming clean up the a gap. It's like that was almost an incredible play where he shouldn't be making that type of play. Now maybe he could have reset the protection or kept Walker in and not tried to throw that heart. You know. I don't know how involved he was with that, but ultimately has a guy right up his face. Like for him to even get that off and and throw it to Walker, he almost got a big play out of that. But anyway, uh, yeah. there's definitely yeah the the low miss to DK, um, maybe a discussion about risks and like tendency to just throw over the middle in third and six, like the medium situations. Um, maybe that needs to be had. You know, Jackson Smith in Jigba also needs to start running the right routes because that's not the first time he's run the wrong routes. Oh, no, it hasn't. Yeah, no. and that's kind of strange to me. Of all the things that, you know, you'd, you'd expect out of Jackson from a, a, a rookie year, mm. you'd think he'd be super on his P's and Q's with the things easily under his control. It was um, almost like he's trying, well, I mean, on that place, like he's trying too hard to make a good, like just do what you do what you're told. Like you, you don't, your quarterback didn't expect you to do that. You've got to be on the same page. Just do what the, you know, Yeah. maybe you just misread it in the moment. Well, and especially, especially when your quarterback is Gino, who wants to do everything with anticipation. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, um, and that, that's what kind of makes Bobo so crazy is that he, he just seems to have that. He's on the same page. He's connected. Yeah. Uh, he fits that anticipation style. And and also Bobo's like, what is he, 26? You know, like he's an experienced, he's a more experienced football player than Jackson Smith and Jigba, despite being a rookie. He just got more snaps under his belt. Right. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, positives offensively, the fact that the Seahawks, they did finish. They did march down the field. There's been games where they haven't been able to finish, but they, they went up tempo. Uh, there was a super weird moment where Noah Fant got a massive play where I think they thought he, they were gonna, he was going to step out and he just didn't step out and ran it all the way down there after the catch. But, he, you know, he had a, that was a 27-yard completion. Um, and then a great play from Gino uh, when they got into the... after an incompletion to Metcalf, down near the goal line, run-pass option play. They've had those routes attached and we've spoke about them on the uh, podcast before, how there is an option to throw them and he... Saw the nickel or the slot defender blitz and threw it to Smith and Jigba on the bubble and the Seahawks walk it off basically. Not quite, but very exciting uh, end of the game and, and the finishing is is big. Um, and that was that was poise and it it almost feels that the offense was so stuck in a rut that going up tempo a bit like it did at the end of the first half, it kind of got them into a, a thing and made it made it simple. And I'm sure Gino has a bit more of a an input on what they're doing there. That he'll have a list of plays yeah. he can pick. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, you can't yeah. you can't say that's not a positive. Like it's a great no, way to yeah. End, I mean, end and, the game. and like just spiritually, metaphysically, even if you will, it's great to end the game that way. Especially after like what happened after the first three three drives, you know, like mm-hmm. like Gino's like, okay, yeah, I just marched down the field. The receivers were on point. Also, Jackson's game winning. touchdown on the on the bubble screen when he turned up field like the way he just ate up ground on the curved line there like that it's cool to just see his traits just be like in a simple situation 
just make like a difference, like a relative difference. Yeah, um, that was the vision, wasn't it? Right. Like, I mean, you, you just you get cheap yards out of him. You could throw to the flat and get eight, eight cheap yards out of him, you know. Um, even even that one screen earlier in the game where it was like, what was it, 18 yards or something? It's like, wow, easy offense. Um, and and like to me, the main the main um, course with Jackson is that he's going to make them really efficient in the intermediate window. That will happen, and it's been kind of happening. We'll see more of it, but that that auxiliary yardage in the underneath is just huge. Just to have that in your offense, like yeah, you have you have a bubble offense if you need it, like like just extra yardage here and there. So. Um, yeah, JSN had three catches, thirty-six yards, and a touchdown. Felt like all of those three catches were on screenplays. So it's nice that the the, the screenplay game is uh, possibly. I mean, it helps when your opponent's that aggressive, mm. but it, it would be big if that can be part of his game too. Um, yeah, and we already saw last week that he can he can make impact on more important receiver, you know, routes and rolls mm. and stuff. Um, yeah, so there is an argument that Charbonnet, I've seen chats talking about it, there's an argument Charbonnet could probably play more than he has, only five carries, um, especially when Walker's kind of struggling efficiency-wise, it might be a thing they can look at, I I don't know, need, need to look at the tape for that, In, generally it hasn't been Walker in past weeks, it's more just been the kind of limitations of the offensive line and the shuffling that goes around. Uh, we did see uh, Jake Curhan came in at right guard for Anthony Bradford, didn't he? I didn't monitor how that really played out. And then uh, Jason Peters was working in at right tackle. Uh, so <laughs> they're still shuffling around. Uh, Evan Brown returned at center. Yeah, it's kind of a mess. Uh, and then offensively, Griff, that Jake Bobo touchdown on the handoff. I mean, ball player, isn't he? Uh, <laughs> I, mean, he I couldn't so... believe how quickly he stuck the brakes on because usually when someone yeah. does that, they get smacked. He just found the space. He's he's six four too. Like that's so hard for someone that tall. <laughs> like how he just drops his all of his body weight and then gets upfield again um, at six four. Like that's that that's difficult. Like he ran a literal ninety degree angle. Like it was a hard right angle. Um, there was absolutely no curvature or drift on that at all. Um, in, impressive athlete. Um, and it's cool that he. Uh, it's cool that he's like a he's got a role, you know. Like <laughs> anyway, he, well, yeah, because I was you nice you, you had an awesome video last week that is doing crazy numbers right now. More Bobo, <laughs> more Bobo. I mean, it's certainly an, an option, a very intriguing option, I'd say. Um, yeah, I liked how it broke the tendency because they'd motioned him in like that before as a run blocker, as you know, Griff, or like it's like a trap block or even just this lead block and. They didn't expect him to get the ball. And also the man coverage defender in pursuit with him really over-pursued. And I think just Bobo sensed that, sensed the, the gap there and, and was able to find it with, with how tight they're playing their, their front. So good for him. Um, he definitely deserves touches. He keeps rewarding them. So Gino finished uh, 23 of 37, 254 passing yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. We've spoke about his performance. Uh, anything else, Griff, on the offense that you want to cover, or should we move to the defense? Um, I, I don't know. Maybe just shout out the fact that the tackles did pretty all right, including yeah, Stone Ma- Forsyth, Garrett, Jason Peters, yeah, Miles Garrett, Cross. 
Miles Garrett looked like a good player, didn't he? But he didn't have a. He didn't have a. Game. He had a. He actually had an okay game, but he didn't have a monster game. He didn't take over the game, which is, I think, all you can ask for. Um, no, he got his sack on that big Gino drop back, but that was kind of led. That's where he will get his sacks, right? Yeah, and he had a couple of near sacks, but like you take that if you can ride him to eight nine yards you are taking that against miles garrett because that's the best you can ask for when you have a quarterback who gets the ball out quickly like gino didn't get sacked on those two plays because he gets the ball out so um yeah that's uh that's all i got on the uh offense there you go so defensively cleveland only had two touchdowns um they also had yeah, they had 20 points in total, and it was a game where Seattle gave up 385 total net yards, so somewhat of a regression in that very basic area. Oh, I should say their offense went 4 for 12 on third down, 33%. Cleveland's went 6 of 15, so 40%, so a, a bit higher than Seattle's allowed again in previous weeks, part of the story. Um, and then run defense-wise... Uh, Kareem Hunt averaged 3.9 yards per carry. Pierre Strong averaged 4.1 yards per carry. Jerome Ford averaged 4.1 yards per carry. And PJ Walker, 4.5 yards per carry on like quarterback keepers uh, mainly. So 155 total rushing yards, um, one rushing touchdown. Where in previous games, they've faced rushing attacks and been able to kind of clamp up in the second half. I didn't really feel that happened in this game. And I'd say Cleveland's probably the best rushing offense in the league in terms of, well, not best, but most challenging to prepare for, especially when you've got someone like PJ Walker rather than Watson there because they're able to do a lot of interesting gun runs where the quarterback can keep the ball. They pull a lot on the offensive line. Uh, so there's like gap concepts. It's not just vanilla zone. Uh, they're, they're pretty good at zone if they want to do it as well. And then they have these packages where like six, seven offensive linemen come in and they'll run really, really heavy. And for how Seattle's defense is constructed, that's not the best matchup for them. Heck, it's not the best matchup for most NFL defenses. So they're kind of going to get their yards in those areas. And even though C Seattle's run defense is good, um, so it proved today as well. And I think the other issue Seattle experienced and... It was the the absence of Luchen and the Wosu. Uh, Frank Clark didn't look ready at all. He he looked like he hadn't played football in ages. And yeah. um, Derek Hall had some tough rookie moments in that aspect, Griff. Yeah, agreed. Um, Hall had a, a disappointing game, I think, for someone that you'd like to see step up because of just the context of the opportunity, just beyond it being another game for the rookie, right? Um, and, you know, I'm not concerned about Derek Hall, like, long-term at all. But that, that that was not a great game from him. Um, yeah, the, the run defense was not great. Yeah, um, it felt worse than the numbers even. Um, and um, you know, I'm not going to chalk it all up to the absence of Uchenna Nwosu, but like Uchenna does just make a couple more plays that that, that help you. Um, and and the Browns have one of the best interior offensive lines in the league. Like Wyatt Teller is insane. Posic um, was pumped as well in this game, wasn't he? Uh, Ethan Posic is a good center. He's a good center, guys. He really is. Um, and I, I think Reed battled. Um, I just think that 
you know, the, the lack of like pure and raw anchor showed up in this game a little bit on the inside. Yeah. Um, it had it been affecting them too much because they they've been disengaging so well, and and they the the the, the fit mechanics as you've talked about is just so aggressive now. Um, it, it takes pressure off each individual player, but like just still the, the Browns kind of worked that matchup a little bit. And um, you know that Cardinals game. Pre- I was watching that back, and the Cardinals did like kind of similar gun runs to what Cleveland was doing, right? But. Seattle was having like their dudes win up front, like they were just straight up dominating, like getting so much upfield penetration, front side, uh, and even at the nose tackle position, doing some really nasty things to the center and the A gap. And I don't think, and we'll have to watch it back, but I don't think they were able to do that against this Cleveland interior. So something for them to think about. I, like, but like I said, I don't know how many offenses actually compose that kind of, you know, the quarterback will keep the football threat on every single run play. Like, yeah. obviously there's Philadelphia, maybe Seattle. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see that. But, mm-hmm. um, but like the the 49ers aren't going to, they'll, they'll have good concepts, but it's not a genuine threat. Um Right, uh, Rams no, like imp- so it was a very unique matchup, which I think is important to stress. Now, the other thing which absolutely killed Seattle is screenplays, and I don't have the apps, I don't have the total figures, but there was at least four explosive plays off screens, which is a disaster. It was essentially the the Browns passing offense. Walker was fifteen to thirty one for two hundred forty eight passing yards and a touchdown, but they had long drives. Be- because of those screenplays and that's another area griff i feel the way that it was kind of off the edge and with the line releasing out really fast um or not really fast but the 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 back faking as though he was chipping and it kind of blended in with their chip pass protection and the game plan they had in that area or the tight end doing that that's an area i feel uchen and the woshu would have kind of sniffed that out more rather than i mean it was back-to-back plays on on the first time it happened, that first drive where mm-hmm. they ended with a double screen, the the, the infamous three screen play drive, where on, before the before the uh, defense enters the field, you see the sideline shot of uh, Jordan Brooks with the other de- defenders ready to enter the field, and he does that symbol, which is, is Seattle's or has been Seattle's like screen alert play, like be alert for the screen, mm-hmm. uh, or not play a uh, signal. And then lo and behold, they get screened to death on three back-to-back plays. And um, two of those come on Frank Clark's side where really the edge has to feel that that was too easy. And Kareem Hunt, especially on the first one, did a, did a great job of selling. Yeah. But yeah. Nwosu w- was pretty good at sniffing that sort of stuff out, wasn't he? Yeah, and, and uh, agreed. And, and the, the second level, like the, the pass concept on the opposite side of the screen really sold well because like Julian Love jetted out on one of them to go match the final three to the other side. And he was like, Oh, cause like the whole point was to get him out of there. Brooks is on an Island. Clark was, uh, was duped as you said. So yeah, a hundred, hundred plus yards off of screens alone. That's, that's pretty bad. Um, and the Browns just executed the crap out of them. Um, it, it was probably a heat check for them regarding screen defense because they'd actually been pretty good at against it this year. So um, then, then outside of that, um, frustratingly, the, the cheap yardage kind of flaked away, but then it was replaced by like actual earned yardage from the Browns offense. 
um, they, they had some busts and zone coverage or really not busts as much as just like not playing their windows tight enough. Maybe they weren't like a combination of like Devin Witherspoon, even and, and Bobby on that one seam route. Um, the corner maybe didn't overlap quickly enough. I really want to see the tape on some of those. Um, and then outside of house, but then there wasn't too much of that. There's just like two consecutive drives where it was, they kind of need to get their act together in that department than they did but that coming in junction with amari cooper winning one-on-ones like it all just adds up and i think that they finally they finally put together i think two or three strong drives um to end the game where it was like okay they played how they did the first two or three drives um i think first two drives but um like it was good to see them have a heartbeat again but yeah uh, frustrating I, i do think that Losing one of your playmakers in a Chen and is is troublesome, and I do wonder if John feels the heat to maybe be more aggressive than he already is or isn't. Did you see him and, on the sideline at the end? I mean, he comes down for every game, I think. Right? But... No, I didn't. Oh what yeah, did you he's got, he that? was uh, by the end zone. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. The other thing is, I they need to preserve Jaron Reed, like from a snap count perspective. Oh. I... It's terrifying. Like he's he's such an important player, and and even more important now from because he brings a dynamic ability that like uh, Cam Young's played some solid football, but he's not like a gap shooter. And what Reed's bringing is kind of a gap shooting style, almost that one tech position that right. they don't have. So, I mean, I, it would be Puna great. Ford if, could do it. Yeah, I mean, he'd have honestly, been so good at it. Puna's skill set is perfect for what they're doing right now, which is one of the great ironies of their rostering decisions this offseason. But it's what they've got right now is working well. There's just room for more juice, though. Mm. And it it would take pressure off of... It would benefit the defense just because you get more negative plays. But then it also takes pressure off the other guys because I'm afraid they're going to grind Edwards and and read into dust. Um, So, um, And like I like Miles Adams. I don't know what he did in this game. I'd like him to take on a bigger role. He hasn't done anything negative this year at all. No, he's just been um, he, fine, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and he's had he had positive splash plays early on in the season, but then he hasn't had as many recently. Um, so I'm curious to see what's going on there. Mm. Uh, Boye Mafe continues to be a real a real deal player, though. Yeah. So Seattle had three sacks on the day. Uh, Boye Mafe himself had do 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 one. Daryl Taylor won, and then obviously Jordan Brooks's play, which we'll talk about. But Maffei seemed like the one reliable guy, and they were chipping him quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So the 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 one things I want to talk about was the way that they pressured uh, seemed to cause problems, and this defense, you know, it, while it did struggle, they ended up with. Two interceptions, one uh, fumble recovery, and and the three sacks, like I mentioned, and it, what, the pass rush pressure in overall seemed to struggle without Nwosu, especially against play action, which he's really good at winning against first and second down kind of pressures. But um, when it was like rush four, they just they it was the first time that that you thought, oh, this quarterback has too much time, and um, yeah, I, I'm not sure what they can do about that really. That they might need to make a move in that area, but when they pressured, they did get rewarded. So when they brought more guys, um, I know Witherspoon kind of forced the errant throw that Woolen tried his best to drop, but did get given the interception. And uh, uh, the other play where they got rewarded was Jordan Brooks forcing that fumble. So 
it's encouraging that the the pressure scheme kind of came out with some stuff. It's encouraging they got their stops towards the end, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, that they I think they may need to do something, uh, or or it's just a case of Frank Clark has to get up to speed because he looked very rusty. Like he looked he looked bad out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's definitely part of it. I mean he's he's got to acclimate a little bit. I think he can be better than this, but I don't think he's going to be an answer. I think the Frank Clark the the playmaker is probably gone and we're talking about just a nice rotational player at best right now. Um, I don't know, man, it would be great if, if Logan Hall could grow up soon. Cause we have to remember, I mean, he's been fine as a rookie, especially if we compare his rookie campaign to boy and Mafes, who Mafe was really struggling the first, like two thirds of the season finally becomes a decent run defender the, f- the final like month and a half, but then still didn't do much as a pass rusher. L- Logan Hall's or Derek Hall's run defense from week one has been fine. Has been better than Mafe was all year last year, and he's much younger than Mafe too. Like n- even though you know comparing rookie to rookie, Mafe was a twenty four year old rookie. Hall is what twenty one, twenty two. So I mean, I think Hall's going to ascend, but um, it'd be great if. Uh, I don't know. Can you swing? Because I, I don't think Carl Lawson makes a big difference at this point. Um, he, he he would be a better version of bringing in Frank Clark. I feel like at this point, Carl Lawson, they were connected to him with uh, draft um, trade rumors. He feels redundant at this point. Um, I still really like Carl Lawson as a player. But if they're going to bring in someone, it has to be someone that can make plays um, and is a bona fide playmaker and it's a buyer's market like montez sweat is being rumored for a third round pick right now i can't imagine chase young is going to be more than a second i don't think deforest buckner or leo williams would be more than a second i think they'd be a third even you have have all this you have a complete the the the, uh, names the the only guy that goes for a first i think of this trade market is um is Brian Burns. Daniel Hunter, now that Kirk Cousins got hurt, Hunter might go for a second or a third even, honestly. This is your um, Super Bowl, Griff. <laughs> trade deadline, baby. Uh, I think Buckner makes them the, the better team. Oh, John Allen, too. <laughs> Let's not forget John Allen. Didn't the uh, Commanders lose today to the Eagles? Yeah, and he's he's ticked off over there, dude. Nice. Yeah, just give someone a nice home. Come and rush the passer, set the edge, play in the forefront, take your shots. It'll be really fun. There you go. That's the pitch. All right. Uh, f- finally, the fourth and three. Uh, it, like, it could have been a different game, and I feel, you know, penalties are kind of... I felt the officials called an okay game. Uh, but there's always variance, and I think Seattle kind of got the, the bad end of the the stick today like the def- it's hard to play good defense when you have two illegal hands to the face penalties and then you which were correct like left to the law they're correct but one of them would have brought up third and 18 instead it gave them a first down like there were certain things at play and then the, the fourth and three pass interference like it's so ticky tacky it's really kind of woolen is kind of a grabby dude um he and he's tall and long and that's what happens but the way that DK Metcalf was getting played, and then the the fact that yeah. he didn't, you know, Cooper tried to kind of push as Woolen pulled. Like, it was weird that they called that in that game state. Honestly, and obviously, yeah. you know, Seattle had multiple opportunities to get off 
uh, that, you know, stop the Browns after that. It didn't give them the touchdown that they ended up with on that drive, but it was a bit of a... It felt like that was going to swing the game because, well, just end the game, but instead it kept Cleveland in it um, and it was incomplete and it wasn't even that catchable. Like, I don't know. Yeah, just... that... that um, at... When it happened live, I thought it was ticky tack, but I was like, kind of like, all right, if that's how they're going to call it. I was more upset if, you know, juxtaposing with how DK was being defended. And then on the replay, I was like, that's not even holding or pass interference a little bit. Like, that's not, that's almost perfect defense. He's even looking back at the ball. Um, I was, I was shocked by that. The, uh, aside from that, like the hands to the face later on, like, that was definitely, that should have been called. Um, it, it was just a frustrating day on that point. And they, they are the most penalized team in the league or the second most penalized. So they've earned some of this, but some of it did seem uh, ticky tack. Um, uh, like, well, the, the one play that they did benefit from, like when Joe Petonio was called for holding on Brooks, I didn't think that was holding. I just thought that was football. But I, you know, I said tweet as like, I'll take it though. <laughs> I'm yeah. not complaining, but um yeah, the, the woolen play is hard to the woolen penalty is hard to stomach though. Mm. And uh, credit Clint Hurt for the way that he uh, changed. He start it really they he worked out how Cleveland was chipping and they started running games in a way that kind of exploited Cleveland's pass protection and the clear passing downs. Um, and then big call to send Jamal Adams off the edge and it hit him in the head in a hilarious fashion and Seattle gets the pick. Uh, that was that was good fun. Uh, another play which they benefited from pressure and really that picks giving them that field position to for the offense to put something together. I'm not sure. We'll never know, but I'm not sure they would have been able to if if it was a punt uh, and they had to go from their twenty. It would have been tough on them to get, especially to get that touchdown. Right. Well, chat, we'll be back on uh, Wednesday. Sorry about today. Um, if you're li- listening, uh, check out us on YouTube where uh, you can find out why we uh, were late, even though it doesn't impact you at all. Uh, like the video, subscribe to the channel, comment down below if you're watching on YouTube. Follow Griff at CMikeSpoonMove, follow me at Matty F. Brown. And yeah, we'll be back Wednesday. I think we said Wednesday. It might be Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday with a special guest to look at the Week 9 opponent, the Baltimore Ravens, who look... I mean, their defense isn't any easier to play against, so that's going to be fascinating. And, yeah, then Thursday we're going to have our X's Nose episode, but overall, uh, you know, a win is a win, and there's some real good stuff on this, also some concerning stuff on both sides of the ball. Some of it can be fixed, and some of it will be fixed, and some of it is maybe Griff's just... uh, mass uh his dreams his his fantasies my cope your cope well i was more of referring to your like various trade rumors you're like oh. um well your, that's your board uh, of pieces of string connecting people to seattle that's a. Uh, I i mean uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 uh clarification geno smith said that he uh, didn't think he had a, f- a free play on the pick. Just important to clarify that because I did wonder. So there you go. Yeah, right. I, I guess that doesn't impact his process, but still, no, it's just I, an insane play by the DB. Yeah, and the ball does have to come out fast on that sort of thing. All right, thank you, everyone. Solid win. Weren't those throwbacks nice? Yeah. <laughs>